are listening to the Mystical City of God in a Year podcast. I'm Father Edward Looney, and throughout the year I'm reading and reflecting on the four-volume over 2,500-page work by the Venerable Maria of Agreda. If you would like to discuss today's readings, I invite you to head on over to Facebook, and there you'll find the Mystical City of God in a Year podcast group page, and you'll be able to share your own thoughts and insights with others who are listening and following along. If you would like to support this free podcast, you can do so by sending a tip through Venmo to the handle Mystical City of God. Let us now thank God for the life of Venerable Maria of Agreda. Almighty God, you will that all people know the saving power of Jesus' name. Throughout time, you have sent missionaries to your people who proclaim the good news. We thank you for sending Sor Maria to the Humano people and planting the seeds of the gospel in their heart and in our land. She taught them the good news and prepared them for baptism. We look to her example and holy life and wish to be taught by her today. Sor Maria, teach us how to pray and meditate. Teach us how to imitate the virtues of Our Lady. Teach us the mysteries of our faith. Almighty God, stir aflame in our hearts the same missionary fervor of Sor Maria, so that we may be as emboldened as she was to proclaim the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ who lives and reigns with you in the unity of the Holy Spirit, God, forever and ever. Amen. Today is day number 351. We are reading from Volume 4, Book 8, Chapter 15, Paragraph 662-670. to Chapter 15. Other feast days celebrated by the Most Blessed Mary in memory of the circumcision, the adoration of the kings, her purification, the baptism of the Lord, his fast, the institution of the Blessed Sacrament, his passion and resurrection. 662. In renewing the memory of the mysteries of the life and death of Christ the Savior, our great Queen sought not only to give worthy thanks for herself and for the whole of the human race, in order as the teacher of all holiness and wisdom to lead the Church to this holy science of gratitude. But besides fulfilling this debt, of thanks, she also sought to draw down God's infinite bounty and merciful clemency to meet the weakness and misery of the humankind. The most prudent mother knew that her divine Son and the Eternal Father were much repelled by the sins of mortals, and that at the tribunal of His mercy they had no other claim than the infinite charity by which God had lovingly reconciled them to Him, though they were sinners and His enemies. Romans 5, 8. As Christ, our Savior, had accomplished this reconciliation by his works and the mysteries of his life and death, the Heavenly Lady thought these very days, on which the works of Christ had been performed most convenient and proper for multiplying her prayers to the Omnipotent, beseeching him to show his love, for love's sake to call them to his faith and friendship, and to justify them for no other reason than because he had himself merited and gained for them justification and life everlasting. 663. Never will either men or angels fully know what a debt the world owes to the maternal piety of this great lady and queen. The many favors which she received at the hands of the Almighty each time she was admitted to beatific vision in her mortal flesh were blessings not only for her, but also for us. For on those occasions her divine knowledge and charity reached the highest possible degree in a created being. In the same degree did she desire the glory of the Most High and the salvation of the rational creatures. As she was yet in the state of a pilgrim and thus could merit and gain their salvation, 
Her loving anxieties, lest souls lose the enjoyment of God, overflowed all bounds in her purest heart. Hence she suffered a martyrdom prolonged through her whole life, and it would have consumed her vital forces each hour and each instant if the power of God had not prevented it. For the thought that so many souls should damn themselves and be eternally deprived of the vision and enjoyment of God, and in addition to this that they should suffer the eternal torments of hell, without further hope of the remedy which they had despised, was really a martyrdom to her. 664. This lamentable misfortune caused an immense sorrow to the sweetest mother. Because she alone recognized and weighed it fully in her wisdom, she was filled with a corresponding charity, and would have suffered without any relief if she had been left only to the influences of her love, and merely to the consideration of what the Lord had done and suffered for rescuing men from eternal damnation. But the Lord foresaw and provided against this deadly sorrow in his most faithful mother. Therefore, he at times miraculously preserved her life. At others, he withdrew her mind from it by diverse enlightenments. At others, again, he revealed to her the secrets of the eternal predestination, in order that her heart might be quieted by seeing into the equity of his divine justice. All these and other measures were applied by Christ the Savior, in order that his most blessed mother might not die at the sight of the sins and the eternal damnation of the reprobate. And if this unhappy and calamitous fate of sinners, as foreseen by the heavenly lady, could so afflict her purest heart, and if it could so move her divine son that he subjected himself for their salvation to the sufferings and death of the cross, what words can describe the blind foolishness of those men who so senselessly rush upon their irreparable and never sufficiently to be dreaded ruin of their souls? 665. But the manner in which our Savior and Master Jesus alleviated the sorrows of his beloved mother was by listening to her petitions and prayers for mortals, by showing his appreciation of her love, by offering her his treasures and infinite merits, by constituting her his principal almoner, and by consigning into her hands the free and loving distribution of all the treasures of his mercy and grace, and thus bring succor to the souls whom in her deep science she knew to be in greatest need thereof. These promises of the Lord to his most blessed mother, as well as the solicitude and prayers of the loving queen, were of ordinary and constant occurrence, and they were still more notable on the festivals commemorating the mysteries of her divine son. For the day of the circumcision she commenced her exercises at the same hour as at the other feasts, and the incarnate word descended to her oratory with the same majesty and accompanied by the angels and the saints. As this mystery consisted in his beginning to shed his blood for men and in his subjecting himself to the law of sinners as if he were one of them, the acts of his most pure mother in commemoration of the great condescension and clemency were ineffable. 666. The great mother humiliated herself to the lowest depths, she lovingly compassioned the sufferings of the child God. In such a tender age, she thanked him for the blessing conferred upon all the children of Adam. She bewailed the universal forgetfulness and want of appreciation of the blood shed for the rescue of all, and as if ashamed in the presence of her divine son, for not having paid her debts, she offered her own life and her own blood in satisfaction and in imitation of her master's example. She spent that whole day in sweet converse and colloquy reiterating her desires and petitions. Yet, though the Lord accepted her offerings, it was not befitting to let her actually pay all the sacrifices of her inflamed love. 
Therefore she added other inventions of her charity toward the mortals. She besought her divine son to divide his gifts, caresses, and favors among all the children of men. She begged that she alone be singled out to suffer for his love, that all should share in the reward, all should taste the sweetness of the divine spirit, that all might be induced to enter the path of eternal life, and none be lost in eternal death, since their God himself became man and suffered for the very purpose of drawing all men to himself. John twelve thirty two. Then she offered to the Eternal Father the blood which his son shed in the circumcision, and his humility in allowing himself to be circumcised in his sinlessness. After she had thus exercised acts of incomparable perfection and adored him as true God and man, her divine son gave her his blessing and returned to the right hand of the Eternal Father in heaven. 667. To prepare for the Feast of the Magi, she began her devotion some days before, in order, as it were, to get ready some presents to offer to the Incarnate Word. The principal offering of the Queen were the souls brought to a state of grace and called by her the gold. For this purpose, to obtain the gift of gold, she availed herself of the services of the holy angels, ordering them to lead numerous souls to the knowledge and belief of the true God by special and powerful inspirations. This result was brought about by their ministry and much more by her own prayers and petitions, so that she drew many from sin, brought others to the faith and to baptism, and snatched others from the talons of the infernal dragon at the hour of death. To this gift she then added the gift of myrrh, which were her prostrations in the form of a cross, her humiliations, and other exercises of penance, by which she prepared herself so as to present her own self as myrrh before her God. Her third offering was the incense of her inflamed and soaring love, her words and prayers and other promptings of her affection, so full of wisdom and sweetness. 668. In order to receive these offerings, her divine Son, on the day and hour of the mystery, descended with innumerable angels and saints. In their presence, and inviting all the courtiers of heaven to assist, she made her offering accompany it with wonderful adoration, worship, and love. And with the offering, she combined a fervent prayer for all the mortals. Then she was taken up to the throne of her Son and true God, and made to share the glory of his sacred humanity in an ineffable manner. She was divinely united with it, and as it were transfigured by its splendors and translucency. A few times, in order to moderate the conflagration of her love, the Lord himself embraced her and permitted her to recline upon his arms. These favors are such as cannot be described in words, for the Omnipotent sought each day to exhaust upon her the treasures of his blessings, old and new. Matthew thirteen fifty two six sixty nine. After receiving these favors, she descended from the throne and supplicated the Lord for mercy upon mankind. She concluded her petitions by a canticle of praise in the name of all, and she asked the saints to accompany her in all this. On this day also a wonderful thing happened. Namely, at the end of this feast, she asked all the patriarchs and saints present to intercede for her with the Almighty, that he might assist and govern her in all his works. For this purpose, she went from one to the other, repeating her requests, and, as if humbly kissing their hands, her divine son, ineffably pleased, permitted her to exercise her humility also before her parents and before the patriarchs and prophets related to her. But this demonstration of her humility was not extended to the angels, because they were her ministers, and not in the same relations with her as her holy forebears. These heavenly spirits attended upon her in another way, namely serving her in these exercises. 670. 
Then the queen celebrated the baptism of Christ our Lord with magnificent thanksgiving for his submitting to be baptized himself and thus establishing the sacrament. After offering her prayers for the church, she withdrew to fast for the forty following days in order to commemorate the fast of the Lord and of herself after his baptism. As I have recorded in its place, during these forty days she did not sleep or eat or leave her retreat unless some great necessity of the church demanded her presence. Her only intercourse was with St. John when receiving Holy Communion or when she was obliged to dispatch some business for the government of the church. The beloved disciple was also more solicitous in his attendance upon her, absenting himself rarely from the cynical. He relieved the numerous persons who sought help in their necessities, and he cured the sick by applying some article which had been used by the powerful queen. Many possessed by demons also came, and some of them were freed before arriving, for the demons dare not linger within the bodies of those that approached the dwelling of Most Holy Mary. Others of the demons cast themselves into the abyss, as soon as the possessed were touched by the cloak, or the veil or some other article belonging to the queen. If any of the demons still resisted, the evangelist called the Blessed Lady, in whose presence they fled without waiting for further commands. This concludes our reading today for day number 351. We've been reading from Volume 4, Book 8, Chapter 15, Paragraphs 662 to 670. Another beautiful reading today that we have about Mary's celebration of the life of Jesus and the events that occurred within his life. And one of the things we heard today was that she knew those who were in greatest need. And so maybe today in our prayer, we ask Mary to come to the help and come to the aid of those that we know who are in greatest need. That maybe we say to her, Mary, help those today. I don't know what their needs are, but help the person who is going to despair the most. Be present to the person who needs assistance. Pray for them, and may they receive grace from God through your immaculate hands. Another line we heard was that she spent the whole day in sweet converse and colloquy, reiterating her desires and petitions. And I just want to emphasize that line. Maybe I talked about it uh, earlier uh, in our readings, but this idea of a colloquy, it's just a conversation that Mary is having with her God. St. Ignatius of Loyola talks about colloquies that we can have with the angels and saints in our prayer as we do the spiritual exercises, for example. So in our own life, we can imitate Our Lady by having sweet converse and colloquy with our God. How beautiful to hear a little bit about her celebration of the Epiphany and the visit of the Magi, that she wanted to give gifts herself to the Lord. And one of the great gifts she wanted to give was the gift of souls converting. And so she came to the aid and snatched some who were at the hour of their death and in the talons of the dragon, as Maria Vagrida says. Again, never underestimate those words we pray. Now and at the hour of our death, amen. We need Mary's prayers at the hour of our death. We don't know what will happen at that hour. And so we persevere in prayer now, confident that she will be interceding for us.
One of the ways that Mary celebrated the baptism of Jesus was by fasting, and we know that the baptism of the Lord leads him into the desert and his 40 days of Lent. And so just remember that when we fast during the Lenten season, that we are doing so in imitation of Christ, but also of his mother. May we be strengthened by the Eucharist that she received during that time in which she celebrated and fasted. May we rely on her prayers today and always. I'm Father Edward Looney, and throughout the year I'm reading and reflecting on the four volumes of the mystical city of God. I'm grateful you joined me today, and I hope you'll join me again tomorrow. Until then, may God bless you, and Mary pray for you.